Women's Running Coaches Collective presents Conversations on Coaching with head coach Diane Woolley of the Men and Women of Western Illinois University. Interview by Melissa Hill and Charlotte Lettuce Richardson. Coach Woolley has coached track and field for over 35 years. She has helped her collegiate teams to national and conference titles. As a USA track and field staff member, Diane has held coaching positions at the IAAF and Olympic levels. Welcome to the Women's Running Coaches Collective. I'm so excited today. I have two wonderful women here with me, both coaches. Uh, one is Melissa Hill, who is one of the founders of the Women's Running Coaches Collective. And the other is Coach Diane Woolley, who Melissa will tell you more about. Welcome to Conversations on Coaching. And welcome, Diane. We're so excited to have you. And welcome, Melissa. Thanks. Thanks. So Diane, thank you so much. We're so excited to talk with you today and learn a little bit more about your coaching career. And just full disclosure, I ran at Texas Tech and I met Diane, I think in 2000, oh, maybe 2013. Were you still at Texas? Yeah. I think she gave me a tour of tech and had not been to Texas Tech in like, I don't know, gosh, 20 years. And so it was really wonderful that she spent the day with us. But she has such a, a long career outside of Texas Tech, um, and I know if I can't do it justice here, you can help me out, Diane. Sure. But she's coached nationally. Uh, she's had many um, uh, conference winners, coached teams and nationals, worked with national teams, uh, IAAF, USTAF, right. sorry. Right. And uh, yeah, and I, now you're at Western Illinois as head coach for both men's and women's teams. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. All right. Also has been a coach for Olympic teams. Is that correct? Right, yeah. right. So just, just won a, a Olympics, which, uh, which was an awesome experience. But, uh, but yeah, a few world championships and some smaller staffs and whatnot. So I've been very, very fortunate and blessed there. But, but yeah, probably the, the best quality is the, the two locations where it was the most stressful for me in terms of my assignment. Uh, I was in an English-speaking country. So that was... That was huge. Great. That's awesome. That's fantastic. We we are just asking you questions that we are interested in knowing about you, Diane. And one is like, how did you get interested in track and field and cross country? I mean, was it because of your high school experience, your middle Um, school? Multiple of factors. Um, I mean, when I was, uh, you know, now we have to go like back to the archaic times, but I had uh, a couple PE teachers and um, coaches I didn't play sports in junior high because they didn't really offer very many, but my physical education teacher was, was awesome. And, you know, we would have like running units and all those kind of things. And so, uh, one, I really enjoyed what she was doing. And I thought, you know, that, that whole concept of, oh my gosh, you get paid to be a PE teacher. (laughs) I'm in there, you know, but, uh, she, you know, in some of the running units, uh, I, I did, fairly well, I guess, compared to the rest of our class. And so she encouraged me to go out for the team in high school. And uh, I did that for a couple of years, played some other sports. And, and I, you know, uh, certainly now, I, I think I felt it then, but uh, um, I, I wasn't like the, we had a lot of really talented people on my team uh, in high school. And, and I mean, I, I don't even want to tell you the PR, like ooh, 220 half miler, you know, good. like a, a like I probably ran a mile on my best day with a strong uh, tailwind, like 530. 
Um, but so nothing to write home about. And we had some amazing people, but I, I loved it. And I had friends on the team and, you know, life was great. Um, and then, uh, you know, I know that's one of your questions coming up is why did you choose this as a profession? Um, is I just had some awesome mentors along the way. And again, the connections of like, uh, uh, one of the girls that was on my high school team was planning to go to a particular university. And in speaking with that coach, because they were looking, you know, for people to be a manager. And so they, they put forth my name and that ended, ended up being a, one, I got the, the job to be a manager and they gave me a really good money to do it. And uh, as a, the youngest of five kids, you know, money towards school is always a win-win. Um, and that's, you know, that, that group of people, which was a, a who's who of track and field, uh, ended up being some of my strongest and best mentors, and uh, several of which I'm in, still in touch with today. So, Diane, I know um, you, you spoke a bit about your scholarship to be a manager when mm -hmm. you went to University of Houston. Um, yes. So one of our goals with the Women's Running Coaches Collective is to get more women involved as mm -hmm. coaches. And I think a lot of people would like to hear what your educational background is, mm -hmm. and then sort of how that you were able to go from that, the educational background, and then go into coaching. From a teaching coaching perspective, we have to um, appreciate our path because that kind of makes us who we are and, and that's what we, we bring to the table for lack of better phrasing. Right. But I have, I have truly been very, very fortunate and blessed. You know, I've, I've earned, you know, we're talking about gray hair. I've earned every gray hair, but <laughs> I was really, really fortunate. Uh, and um, I, I can't recall, I think we, we had talked about this briefly before. So I was a freshman at, at um, University of Houston right. and it was great. And again, you know, uh, Dorothy Doolittle, Tom Telez. Oh my gosh. Howie Ryan, um, uh, uh, Clyde Duncan Sr. I mean, just, you know, oh, Carl yeah. Lewis, that's one of my claim to fames is that uh, Carl and Carol Lewis were on the team when I was there. And, uh, you know, I don't know, remember if I overlapped with Burrell, but, you know, enough of, oh yeah, you know, the who's who of the United States but that's, yeah. that's enough right there. But like Kirk Baptiste and the hurdles and Stefan Baker and all that, they were just, you know, so for me who liked, really enjoyed the sport, but to have a front row seat every day, you know, it's just, you know, amazing. So, um, but in anyway, so I was very fortunate, but uh, I ended up uh, transferring through, has really had nothing to do with that, but I ended up transferring to, uh, A&M the next year, and then cross paths with one of my other strongest mentors in my life, Bill Nix, who was the head coach there, and uh, did, the, did the same thing, you know, managerial. Again, I had, long before that path started, I was fascinated about the sport, but so in your back of your mind is, like, I get to hang around and do, do track things, and <laughs> give me money, and I had mentors that would always because um, I know I've been around uh, others or I know friends of mine that have been around or didn't have that avenue or didn't have that resource, if you will, to, you know, hey, come stand next to me, you know, keep in mind when you're doing this, you know, if you want to identify a recruit, then you need to do this. 
and they, you know, don't miss this. And, uh, you know, that I know one of the questions that you have a little bit later since the majority of my um, time in coaching or the events I've covered have been field events, you know, why field events is largely due to Dorothy Doolittle and Bill Nix and coach, coach T. Although he, you know, all of them have coached everything, but uh, um, uh, the biomechanical impact that Dorothy Doolittle afforded me right. has, you know, that was huge. Right. And that, that not everybody gets. Right. I realized that not everybody gets. I mean, right. you can take a biomechanic class, but the practical application to right. track and field and, and how to evaluate and what to look for and all that kind of stuff is, is you know, you can't pay money for that. Well, and it, it almost sounds in a way that the best uh, route to being a track and field coach is uh, a mentorship with, or an apprenticeship with, with people that are greats. And, um, you know, like you said, standing next to them and having them point out things to you is mm -hmm. the most remarkable way to learn. So after having a lot of these experiences, of course, you did physical education, which mm -hmm. again, you know, set the but, background. Well, you know. Absolutely great. My, uh, my profs were, my Kines prof, right. you know, oh. so it, it was, there were a lot of things that were afforded to me. And, and even the, the, you know, I can think of my uh, adaptive education teacher and, you know, the, all the different classes that I took, I think uh, it all kind of goes into making you who you are and how you respond and how you think and what you're passionate about. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I love being a physical education teacher too. And you know, I, I uh, have told friends of mine, although I, I absolutely love coaching and, and really, really enjoy it, but you know, I, I could be a PE teacher. I have no problem going back and teaching elementary school PE. I love That's that. Great, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know you're the couple <laughs> things. I would assume it's still the same. The teachers are glad to have them go to you because you're gonna run off all the energy. Right. Um, Number two, they love to come to PE because it's the fun thing and they get to play. Right. And they're, you know, you kind of get to play all day. So it's not as simplistic as that, but you know, um, the kids that have to sit and do language art stuff is, I would think that would be a tough sell. Right. Playing games, not so much. They love it. So, so, so going from uh, teaching grade school PE, which sounds like a lot of fun to me also, mm -hmm. to um, jobs in, at the college level in track and field and, and cross country, mm -hmm. are there many out there? I mean, you have, for women, excuse me, for mm -hmm. women, um, you know, you, you've, you've done a lot of assistantships, you've done head coaching, now you are coaching both males and females, which is, is just mm -hmm. fantastic. So right. What, what is the job? sort of uh, landscape out there? Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. One of the, the um, branches, if you will, of the uh, USTFCCCA Coaches Association, so the NCAA side of it, um, they, every, the last couple of years, they've had this women's mentorship program and they have a small sea of humanity you know, it's before the rest of the convention starts and it's, it's really, really big. They provide the, the how-tos, like the, one of the primary um, uh, 
topics in this last little roundtable doodah thing in December was, uh, that's a technical term, by the way. Um, <laughs> Very technical. <laughs> yeah, is uh, salary negotiation and what you need to make sure that you have that, that many of those, I mean, I know the young coaches were like, negotiation, I don't have any negotiation as an assistant. And, and it primarily is geared towards head coaches, but, but still those type of things and, and identifying mentors, which uh, again, that's one of my, um, I don't know if I could specifically state one of my primary tenants, or maybe it's one of my primary desires that has followed me all the way through again, because I had some great mentors when I was young is to always do that. And, and when I was more readily involved within USA track and field and the U S women's track and field coaches association, one of my primary platforms was mentorship. And again, I firmly passionately believe that we all need mentors that anyone can mentor just because I've been in the business long, a long time does not mean I can't glean something from a 25 year old. Every, everybody brings different stuff to the table that you need to be attentive to listen to and then say, okay, how can I apply it to my situation? Or that doesn't really affect me, but I'll keep that in my back pocket for another day. Um, I'm so glad to see that the uh, NCAA side of it has, you know, really embraced that. And, and every year it just seems to grow and grow and grow. I don't remember what the number is, but I know there had to be easily over a hundred women in the room. I actually think it was much higher than that. But tell me again the name of the organization, the subdivision you were talking about before everything gets started for for men for young women at the NCAA level. What were you saying? Oh, it's, it's uh, um, and they it's the U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Association is okay. the name of the whole body. Okay. And then um, within that, okay. they have. Um, like the, the seminars or meetings that they have is the women in coaching. Uh, I just saw a email about uh, a mentorship program or application. So you have coaches that have been in the biz for a while that are willing to take on mentors. And then you have another facet that you have to apply to be mentored. So that's that one. There's, and there's a, uh, website that's associated with the women's faction that's called Passing the Baton, yeah, right. which yeah. is, to me, is huge. Um, and I, I had this thought a couple seconds ago that two things. One, I think anybody can, like I said, anybody can be a mentor regardless of years in the, in the biz. Right. But if I do not do my part to pay back what was afforded to me, right. then I, I disrespect the gift. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I, you know, again, Dorothy Doolittle, Tom Telez, Bill Nix, they were huge in my life when I was young and I was, and, and I was just a sponge. Um, and that's the last thing I would want to do on the planet is disrespect those people or, or the investment that they gave me. We did just did a leadership and coaching interview with two women Nike executives, and there was so much about mentorship and who mentored them and who in turn they are now mentoring. It's, I think it's an obligation as a female coach, especially to oh, do absolutely. that or a male coach, but yeah. And absolutely. 
Melissa, I'm sorry I've taken up no, so much. I, 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 I think this is fascinating because it's why we started this in, uh, collective is because we want to encourage these women and looking for opportunities like you're talking about, Diane, like the Pass the Baton that we've seen on Facebook just recently. I joined the Facebook group, but I, and we get the question from coaches when we've had our clinics, like, you know, how to network, what is our next steps? You know, these are the type of things that they're hungry for and that we want to provide the answers uh, for. Point of clarification, my first year of teaching, which, you know, adds more to the pile, is I actually taught at a private Catholic school in Houston for a I year and uh, did not coach track. I uh, worked with volleyball, softball, basketball, and cheerleading. Wow. None of which are in my, I played softball when I was young, but that was the, and yeah, so that, and other than my PE major classes, yeah. So, but it was, it was great. Yeah, the deep end. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. It was, it was great okay. for me. And, and, you know, ironically enough, uh, again, that's scary to uh, think about. So 84 was my first year of teaching and I'm still in touch with some of the families from my first year of teaching. Oh, that's so, wonderful. That yeah. means a ton, Diane. That means so much that you were really valued and loved. So that's yeah. It, it was it was amazing. It you know it was. So as you, as you went that first year though, like how what kind of what was your um, how what was your approach? Because you coach that's a wide variety of of sports. I'm not going to call right. it cheerleading sport, but I guess it is. Um, it is that's a sport. Me. Yeah, <laughs> but you know the the good squads absolutely. Yes, but uh, my group. You know, and again, they were junior high. I mean, the 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 most some of the a few kids could do back handsprings, but very few, and <laughs> certainly not a round off with a flip to it. But the and also when I was at Spring for two years, just because uh, one of the girls, one of my closest friends still um, was the cheerleader sponsor at Spring High School, and uh, she her JV coach quit. So I got tagged for that. Oh. And, okay. and those kids were talented. And, you know, for me, I, my, my big job was I drove the bus. That was, you know, I mean, I was invested. I've done that. I've done that. Oh, we all have done that. So, you know, uh, and when I was coaching high school, I, I drove the bus for cross country and all track meets. So, um, so and that, maybe that was a, a positive impact that she was looking for as well. But, um, but but yeah, that is that is not is not my wheelhouse. Not you know, I was a better basketball coach than a cheerleader sponsor, and I was not a good basketball coach either. Oh, but, that's funny. that's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great. Again, still close to all those kids and families and and whatnot. But you know, yeah. So so like, was your next? Was your next uh, position in a college, at a college, or did is that when you went to Tennessee or? No, so so uh, St. Ambrose for a year, my first year of teaching. Then I was at Spring for four years. Okay. Both. Uh, head coach, right? Yeah, head coach there for um, cross country boys and girls, and then girls track, and then uh, science teacher, physical education teacher, um, and then from from Spring I went to Tennessee. Okay. There for two years, then Ole Miss, then Texas, Texas Tech, and here. My, my master's was at, uh, in Knoxville at, at Tennessee with, again, with, so again, here's an advantage back to the mentorship from Dorothy Doolittle. 
is Dorothy was a coach I worked for at University of Houston. How many years go by, she gets the head position at Tennessee, and so she calls me to come and be your GA. And if, in, you know, the, a lot of times I, I think to myself, which I think I've got pretty good skills, got, you know, been in the business for a while, so I'm fairly wise, but I'm, I also realize that there's, you know, others that are, are infinitely smarter than I am, but I, I've always kind of prided myself on working hard. And I think a lot of times that carries a lot of weight as well. So she asked me to come in and be your GA. And from there, I got the position at Ole Miss in Texas and, you know, keep on rolling, keep on rolling. I'm thinking for me, the, the, uh, when I went to Lubbock and ran my first, the first time I ran and, and Lubbock was just like kind of a revelation. Like, I, I don't know what it was like for you going from Ole Miss, Tennessee, but you were at Texas for a while, so you kind of get it. But it's Lubbock is a whole different kind of place, right? And you, you were you were you there the longest of, in your career at Tech? Oh or? yeah, Hand, okay. hands down. You know, and it, it's you know it's like so many places that it's it's very and and they I've again have been very fortunate to be at a lot of a lot of really good places and whatnot. But there, everybody's very passionate, and you and truth be told. I'm not sure I really want to work in an environment that's not passionate about what we do. So you can't, you don't really take, take those knocks away, but every, every place has its nuances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, you know, I ran under um, Beta Little for one year and then uh, Jarvis Scott came uh, yeah. for my, my second year and made a huge impact on our team. Amazing. Absolutely. She, and uh, yeah, we were there like, for the first Corky or maybe the second, it was the first when they were, um, uh, celebrating the opening of that beautiful indoor facility, yeah. the track and stuff. Yeah. And uh, we were all, as women, we were sitting here thinking, there's not one word said about Jarvis Scott, which we would love to see um, her celebrated because she had an amazing life. And really did. Uh, for us, it's kind of tough and you don't know what to do because it is still such a male dominated kind of atmosphere there. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I was like, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the, the wheelhouse to push this, but it would be so nice to, to celebrate her. She was coaching there when I was in college. Okay. Oh, really? Um, and so she was there for, or my memory, she was coaching there when I was in college. Don't quote me on that one. But she was there for a long time. Yeah. A long time. Which, you know, and as was Corky. I mean, they were, yeah. Um, and again, there was not as the, the, the inclination, I, I can't think of a, a polite way to say, but the um, revolving door, the migratory paths where people just kind of pick up and hop in jobs didn't really exist back then. You just kind of stayed there until someone really came and banged on your door. Right. Um, and I think, and maybe that's just more the inclination of, of a lot of coaches is that they're always, they're always, they're focused on their job, but they kind of keep on looking to the right and left. Okay, what else can I do? So, um, but yeah, they were, they were really, really good. So I, I think, um, you know, just because it seems to be more in the limelight now, however, I think it should always have been in the limelight that if you think about it from the, you know, the eighties, which in my mind, that's when she started yeah. in the eighties for a woman of color to have a head position oh my gosh. in a conservative area like yep. Lubbock, Texas, yep. I think is huge, yep. huge. Yep. And, and I, 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 
Yeah, I'm hoping Janine McElhaney had a, you know, a, a big say in that at that time, hopefully. Oh, I would think so. I, I, I can't imagine that she didn't, but yeah. I, and I, obviously she was not living by the time I got there, but I have right. certainly heard a lot about her. Yeah, she was, she was a force. And it, you know, uh, also it just, it wasn't just having a new coach, but she brought two, two young gals from her team. Uh, I, I think she came from, was she, Cal State, um, was it Northridge or I can't remember which Cal State. I, yeah, I don't remember her tenure. But yeah. she, um, she brought two gals to our team, which completely like, we all talk about our workouts, about how immediately we went from here to here on our workouts. And I remember yeah. I ran the 400 meter hurdles and, and Jarvis doing repeat 400s with me and just running the last 200 with me. Do you know how intimidating it is to run against somebody? <laughs> oh, Olympics? An Olympian. <laughs> 200 with you. I was like, I just remember her. She was good history wise too, for us to learn, not, not all, just for me, also being from a really lily white background, she integrated us right first meet. We went Good. and stayed in the hotel and she integrated us together. There wasn't any question. And there was not really any problem other than like, I can't, I'm really light sleeper and people were playing music at night. And, but yeah. it, it, we got along so well as a team and I, she just set the bar right away and just firmly. And, and right. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was controversial or anything. It was just, it was such yeah. a great atmosphere. And yeah. I'm so grateful for having her as yeah. a coach. So. Oh, we're off the subject of absolutely. Diane Woolley right now. But. No, no, it's all good. You know, and again, to the same same point as the mentorship thing, if you have to, you have to acknowledge the, the people from the past because they brought, to, brought us to where we are. Yeah. And again, you know, people talk about, or some people bring up how difficult it is to be in a profession that is more often than not male dominated and you know keep on grinding away but if you think about that she you know people of color had you know throw that on top of the pile and i i i mean no disrespect but again if you think of a coach and you know think of how many tremendous mike hallway rolanda green you know how many amazing coaches that are are uh people of color in a profession and, and they're doing really, really well. But I think you add, um, and you might try and find a better way to say this, but you add the degree of difficulty mm -hmm. that, of being a minority and a woman and, a woman. and trying to, to hold your own in a, uh, a very male a, a demographic <laughs> that do not look like you. No. Right. No. And you know, people talk about that now in 2020, yeah. And and it is there is considerable inequity. It's not as as pronounced in my mind as what it was back then. So can you imagine? Yeah, it's it's almost um, unimaginable in a lot of ways for right. just your sort of average person to even think what somebody like a Jarvis Scott must have gone through to oh, get the job she got and uh, and to do what she did as a person. So as a coach, yeah. I think it's always key to try and have your staff reflect what's on your team you bet and it doesn't always work but you you know you need to look into that and then also try and you still want to always hire the most qualified individual of course but there's there's a lot of you know again i keep coming up with weird colloquials there's a lot of ways to get to rome but if you can do it with that in mind then then you you know, meet 
the needs of, of your kids. Cause you know, I, I've been in this profession, you know, I was writing to, or putting together comments and whatnot to our team of um, what it's, what it's like with all, with all the riots and the Black Lives Matter and all the tremendous things going on in our country of, you know, I, I don't know. I really don't know what a young person of color is feeling right. day to day. Because it's not, you know, I can still go home to my house, my family that's different than what they, or my neighborhood or my life or my peers that's different. Now, I've, again, been in the business a lot of time, long time. And, and that was a lot of times just because I was trying to be mindful of what is the proper thing to say without really sounding preachy or what do you know about my life? You've never lived a day right. like in my, in which my is true. Yeah. But I have listened to the stories of a lot of former athletes and particularly when I coached at other schools that the, the uh, states or the schools or whatever was, was more diverse than some of my schools of late. Um, they would tell me stories that were just like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. They, it, you know, and that's, I, I said, you know, the, the, what we hear on the news today is, uh, you know, it takes your breath away. Mm -hmm. And to think that, think, you know, my environment from the 80s has not progressed. Yeah. It, some things have, but a lot have not. You still have a lot of crazy, stupid people. Well, yeah. it is such a responsibility as a coach because you as a head coach, uh, any coach has to develop a relationship with an athlete. Absolutely. And even if you can't totally understand what it is to walk in somebody else's shoes, you have to try to understand. And I agree. I, you have I, to try and you have to talk and, and, and try to make those, um, right. make yourself understand what, what it is like. And then I think, you know, a goal for every coach should be, let's make our coaching staff, mm -hmm. uh, reflect the real world outside and especially reflect your team because um you know a, an athlete is it's very hard for an athlete to be on a team i'm sure when they don't feel that they have similar uh, experiences yeah. any of that representation yeah i would agree yeah yeah agree. yeah so um what advice i mean we'll get back this is much more interesting what you're talking about diane but we'll ask these questions anyways um, what advice would you give to a woman who uh, would like to get into coaching? Where do they get started? Um, and we've talked a little bit about this already, but you know, what, what kinds of things would you say if somebody walked up to you, a young 25-year-old woman, and say, I'm passionate about the long jump. I'm passionate about, but I don't know how to get started as a coach. Um, I, I think a lot of times it, it uh comes, you know, and again, I have an obligation to kind of mentor that. And a lot of times what my, my mantra of speech tends to be is identify, identify people that have mentors, um, have, you know, you develop that relationship um, over time. And then that's the person that reaches out on your behalf. Or if they come to me and say, hey, I want to get into this profession. How do I do it? Then this is my path. This is what I know friends and peers of mine, this was their path. Um, you know, ask the questions about where you want to go, what do you want to do? Um, and then you just try and, and foster that, for lack of better phrasing, to kind of 
give the advice, um, look at things from their perspective, again, same point, they may see things a little bit different than I do, but um, you know, this is, this is what I can tell you, this is what I bring to the table. In terms of making connections and trying to get their elbow into a program here and there. And then in terms of you wanna be a long jump coach, um, but you need to uh, broaden your horizons and uh, look at events beyond that because you need to make yourself more marketable. Right. If you're a long jump or sprinter, then you need to learn, you know, typically because that position goes with, with uh, other jumps or combined events or whatever. So for you to be a horizontal jumps coach on a full, uh, as a full-time job, that will probably not happen. So you need to figure out a way to learn as much as possible about the other events, um, whether it be, you know, um, like uh, brick and mortar, for lack of better phrasing, coaching things like you go to USATF or the uh, Coaches Academy within the Coaches Association or whatever, and um, sit down and go through all that and, and learn. And then you also identify your mentors of, um, you know, uh, who do I talk to to figure out more about the events, right. but not so much. You have to, uh, a young person needs to go into it with the mindset of, you know, I don't need you to speed, spoon feed me this information. I need you to help me to how to learn and yeah. how to critically, you know, take, really it's your skill set of what you did in your other classes as an undergraduate. Now, how do I apply it to coaching? And my wisdom came from having great mentors having, you know, just uh, on the ground learning curve. And then I would just read and, you know, uh, one of my athletes talked to me a while ago about how I said, you know, I had a, I had a great VHS tape that would be great if I could figure out a way to convert it so you could look at it. And they, they literally, God is my witness, rolled their eyes at me. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't, I have a VHS player but I'm not going to this tape because it's, it's right. incredible. Why would I give that away? Even I know. if I, I know. It ever. And you're going to be, you know, when everything comes to an end, you're going to be the only one that can play all those VHS uh, videos. Identifying mentors or contacts that you've had a conversation and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. And then they reach out to you saying, you know, uh, by the way, Melissa, do you know any really good coaches? I'm looking for an XYZ. Yeah, absolutely. Here, yeah. let me give you, you know, let me give you her contact information. Because again, it's about relationships. It's about connect connections. Yes. But you as the mentee have yeah. to do your homework because yes. you do need to be able to step up and give what your mentor said you would do or what right. you're capable of. Because if you go in there and you crash, then you destroy the relationship between them, between the, the coach and your mentor. You know, the relationships that I created early on were pretty much with male coaches, both you and I. Bob Williams is a, I don't know if you know who he is, but amazing man. Um, I worked at Jesuit High School in Portland and the coach there was Tom Rothenberger, who is like the best organizational. He's a manage, he, he manages this amazing team. He's so organized. I learned that portion of my coaching from him. Coming up, parts two and three of the Diane Woolley interview on Women's Running Coaches Collective podcasts. Original music by Hank Richardson, Lonesome Rock. Thank you.